welcome to This Week in Brattleboro History, produced by the Brattleboro Historical Society and the Brattleboro Area Middle School. During the last two months of 2020, the Bantams Remote Learning Team partnered with the Brattleboro Historical Society to gather childhood remembrances from local baby boomers of the 1950s and 60s. What the students found were communities in transition. The Wyndham County school age population was rapidly increasing and new schools and additions were built in many towns. Interstate 91 arrived in the middle of the baby boom years and added mobility to an already dynamic situation. As one respondent noted, the interstate brought more people to town from other places. Some people would complain about the out-of-staters, but others enjoyed the added trade that came with their visits. What we did begin to experience was an international diversity brought on by the experiment in international living. There was a broader cultural level many of us saw with the development of Marlboro College and the Marlboro Music Festival. Using Facebook, about 40 baby boomers responded to questions posed by 7th and 8th graders. Some patterns emerged. Growing up in Hill County was not the same as growing up in town, and growing up in the 50s was very different than growing up in the 60s or 70s. The baby boomers generation, those born between 1946 and 1964, may have many similar characteristics, but there were also differences in how they grew up in our local communities. This response was typical of those who grew up in town. Each neighborhood was a small enclave unto itself, with everyone knowing their neighbors and all the adults looking out for the children. In my neighborhood, there were at least five children who were in my grade, so we often walked to and from school together. We were taught that we could go to any friend's house, and if we were in difficulties, like a scraped knee, and the adult, mainly the mother, would care of us and send us safely to our own homes. If my mother couldn't locate me by calling from the front door, she would telephone the homes of my friends to see where I was. We were expected to be home in time for supper, or when it got dark. We knew it was supper time because we would hear our mothers calling. When one was called, the rest of us went home too, because supper was almost always at the same time, 6 p.m. We spent as much time as we could out of doors, as did most kids. Another respondent wrote, As grade school kids, most families had full-time mom. So we spent our time going to each other's houses and having lunch or whatever house we were at around midday. We played in our friends' yards, rode our bikes, and walked to each other's houses throughout the day. Most family had four or more kids, so the parents didn't get too involved in their kids' lives. Those who lived in the countryside reported another set of experiences. When I grew up in Guilford, there were more cows in town than people. School, the Grange, and church were places where you met your friends. When you got home, there were siblings to play with and maybe a neighbor down the road. Going to meet friends was not possible. Keep in mind, most families only had one car, and that went to work with Dad. Mom could not traipse us all around town. Living far out in the countryside meant that you had to make do with having siblings as playmates, and once in a while playing with kids down the road on the next farm. Another writer shared, being in a small community... There were not a lot of activities to participate in. 4-H clubs allowed you to mingle with more youngsters around your age group, and there were occasional square dances that were sponsored by the Grange. The community church also had some activities for young people. The Guilford Fair was always something to look forward to and became a focus for many rural youth. 
The interstate brought many kinds of people to town. Everything seemed to get busier, and at the same time, Living Memorial Park was developed. There were many neighborhood campuses sponsored by the rec department. Memorial Park had a pool. We enjoyed the pool and walking trails at the top of the hill in the summer. Also, we had day camps held at the top of Memorial Park Hill. In the winter, there was skiing at the park. We also ice skated on the pond at the bottom of the hill. The park became a destination for young people all over town. People who grew up in the 1950s remember Putney Road as mostly farmland and rode about Main Street as a center of activity. Downtown Brattleboro had all kinds of stores in those days. You could get most anything you wanted there. There were no big box stores or obviously the internet. You could get your Girl Scout uniform at Mann's in the basement. We liked to shop at Woolworths where there was a soda fountain. You would pop a balloon to see what price you would pay for a hot fudge sundae. No one ever seemed to get the lowest price. There were parakeets in cages in the back and baby chicks dyed in Easter colors in the spring. The Dutch bake shop had the best cookies and donuts, but they were a special treat we didn't get often. There were two grocery stores downtown before First National was built, where the price chopper is now. These were the days before shopping malls, so almost all shopping was done on Main Street. Major department stores were Woolworths, Grants, Montgomery Wards, and locally owned Mann's and Sam's. Families would also travel to Keene, New Hampshire, or Greenfield, Massachusetts for annual school shopping and Christmas shopping. There was a very large discount department store called the Giant Store on Flat Street where families could pick up cheaper items, kind of like today's Walmart, but locally owned. As the years went on and Putney Road began to be developed, things began to change. A trip to Paige's Ice Cream was always a family treat. Paige's Ice Cream was on Canal Street, where the Burger King is now. It was a long, single-story building. There were often so many cars in the parking lot that you had to wait for a parking space to open up. They made their own ice cream there, and I still remember how creamy it was. Another big family event was going to the A&W on Putney Road. Waitresses would come out to your family's car and take your order. They delivered the family's food and hung on a tray on the driver's window. The menu was pretty much limited to a papa burger, large, a mama burger, medium, and a baby burger, small, with fries, and of course, a root beer. Root beer floats were a real treat, too. All sodas were served in a very heavy glass mug. I can still smell the sticky residue of spilled root beer on the trays. One of the highlights of winter was the annual winter carnival in February. A week of activities included ski races at the park, dances, town variety shows, the Harris Hill Jump, culminating in the Carnival Queen pageant, and a big parade with lots of floats down Main Street. Almost all of these stories were new to BAM students. Next week, we'll be highlighting the memories identified by middle school students that surprised them the most. We'd like to thank Maddox, Emily, Jamel, Allie, Eileen, Maeve, Ida, and Maya for reading This Week in Brattleboro History. Please join us next week for another story from our community's past.